people of the world, before we begin this episode of We Got This with Mark and Hal, I would be remiss if I did not tell you that Saturday, September 11th at 1230 p.m. Pacific Time, 330 p.m. Eastern Time and 830 p.m. London Time, we are going to be doing a live streaming show for the London Podcast Festival with our special guest, Paget Brewster. This show will not go out over our traditional podcast feed, so your chance to see it is by getting tickets and joining us live. You can go to bit.ly slash WGT London. The WGT and the L are all uppercase. The rest is lowercase. Again, bit.ly slash WGT London. The WGTL is all big, and the O-N-D-O-N is little. We hope to see you there. Get your tickets. It's going to be a really, really fun time. And again, the only way you can see it as of now is by coming to the show. And now, we want you to enjoy this show. Hello, I'm Hal Lublin. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. Since the dawn of humanity, one issue has gone unsettled. With the fate of the world in the balance, we're here to settle once and for all. Most actor movie. That's right. Don't worry, everyone. We got this. Podcasts should have a theme song. Podcasts should not have a theme song. Yes, they should. No, they shouldn't. They sound good. Yeah, but people are just going to skip past it. Hmm. You know what? You're right. We got this. Most acted movie. Hmm. Was that good? Did we get it? Got it in one. Hal, sometimes a topic feels so important that we have to prep for it. We have to talk about it. We have to get prepared for the day. We have to do our, you know, we have to do our exercises. You got to do your breathing exercises, say a few tongue twisters, you know, shake it out and, you know, count to 10, do a handstand against the wall, whatever it takes before that curtain parts. And we begin talking about the most acted movie of all time. The you movie know, with the most acting. There's a term that mm-hmm. I think we're all familiar with, which is making a meal out of something. I'm making oh, yeah. a meal out of, out of this. So actors will make a meal out of something, which means they're probably milking it a little too much. The, the movies we're going to discuss today are old country buffets. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes they are old country buffets that are being eaten at by like two or three people in the cast. We eliminated movies that are just one person in the cast is having all of the buffet. Right. So something, an example of that would be There Will Be Blood, where Daniel Day-Lewis is not even, I mean, he, a a normal actor would be full after the first five minutes, but he goes the full, which would be the same for Gangs in New York. And pretty much any. Any movie he's in. (laughs) Any Daniel Day-Lewis. Lincoln, he chews up all the scenery, but he just does it quietly. So yeah. you don't really notice. He's just sort of uh, quietly nibbling at the scenery the whole time. He's very good. He's one of the greatest of all time. Yeah. We should point out that it's not necessarily bad. These aren't bad no. performances, but sometimes they're like all real huge and everybody's mm-hmm. just on a level that feels like we have lifted off to a new plane of existence. That to me, I don't, how do you feel generally about movies with that sort of heightened level of acting? For me, scenery chewing is why I go to the theater. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. It's why I loved Cherry Jones in The Glass Menagerie. It's why I love Jessica Lange on television in American Horror Story. Any chance she gets to chew scenery, she is delightful at it. I like it. There are movies on my list. We both compiled lists for mm-hmm. this. And we shared them ahead of time, but we haven't really talked about them at all. We just sort of shared to make sure we didn't have any overlap. Exactly. And there are some on my list that I love. There's some mm-hmm. on my list that I can't stand. Sometimes it's, it has nothing to do with the performances, but sometimes it has everything to do with the performances either way. Yeah. So I, I'm, it, it, when it fits, then it's great. Yeah. I guess that's true. You can't, nobody's going to play big. There are times when it, when it doesn't quite fit or it, it is jarring. Some of these are older films mm-hmm. and the style of acting has changed over time. So something yeah. that say in 1956 was a masterful performance would today be maybe uh, not appreciated in the same way you know it's funny that i know the movie you're talking about and we'll talk about it in a minute yeah i have that movie was nominated for four oscars for its cast i still don't Uh, one of one of them won but now that movie is considered a campy classic yes you want to just kick it off you know what let's just kick it off that'll be my first one that'll be my lead off movie you want to go back and forth with these yeah let's do it great i will lead off with for what i think is the movie with the most acting in it and that is 1956's The Bad Seed. Now, have you seen this movie, Hal? I, I told you I had it and you said, just watch the trailer. It's oh, that's right. That's right. Long. And then, and then I watched the trailer. Uh huh. And then you sent me the curtain call at the end of the movie. Yeah. This movie has a curtain call at the end, people. Here is why. <laughs> um, a lot of it has to do with the production code. This movie is, I will give you the brief rundown of this movie. It is about a child who is a murderer and uh, her family who slowly finds out and realizes this and the ramifications of that. It is a melodrama. There are details in it that are insane. Uh, like she, the, the first murder is uh, she beats a classmate to death with her tap shoes and then throws him in a lake. Mm-hmm. It is uh it's a, it's an intense, weird, dark, heavy, movie with performances the size to match it uh but there's a reason for this there's a reason the performances are so big in Wait, this movie can i just quickly can i jump in real quick <laughs> please the woman who i if i'm to understand this correctly mm-hmm. i believe i do who plays that boy's mother yes has turned to the sauce oh she's very drunk she's like 1950s movie drunk she's 1950s movie drunk and mm-hmm. talking to someone and literally it sounds like this <clears throat> I was talking to myself and I said about talking with him. I saw it out of the water. <laughs> that, that, like that. Like that. But less understand. I saw it in the car that we went down to the store. You understand that, don't you? Like, yeah. what? <laughs> what? She needs that machine that turns Donald Duck's voice into Don Cheadle's voice. <laughs> yeah, well, look, man, she just lost her son. You'd be slurring drunk, too. Come on. Uh, the reason that this movie is so largely acted, mm-hmm. uh, is because this is the original Broadway cast. They moved the, Mervyn Leroy, the director moved the entire original Broadway cast to the film production of this. And this group of people had done this play together 300 times on Broadway, incidentally at the same theater where Hamilton is now playing mm-hmm. and also at the theater where, uh, Book of Mormon is now playing. They had done it together 300 times on stage for a thousand seat house. And then they tried to translate it into movie form. And 
every performance is gigantic in this movie. Yeah, I love this movie. I think there is so much acting done by everyone in the cast. They are by default mm-hmm. overacting because they are taking stage acting yeah. and not really adjusting it for the camera, which picks up a lot more. They are doing more acting than is necessary for this film. There might be movies that have more acting in them, but for the size of the cast, for a play, essentially, that takes place basically in one living room, it is outsized acting for the size of the thing that it is. I think how we should do this is make a decision on the spot for each of these, whether or not it is a finalist. This is a finalist for me, 100%. You know what? I've only seen four minutes of it. I will also say it's a finalist. (laughs) By the way, that curtain call ends with the girl getting spanked. My yes. first submission. <laughs> Hold on. Oh, 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 no. I want to tell the story of this. Oh, you want to talk too. more about it? Okay. I want to talk just a little bit more. And Because I started to say it, that it all had to do with the production code. So the play ends with this murderous child, that with the murderous child winning, succeeding, uh, being fine, and the mother of the murderous child dead. So um, the uh, the production code said, hey, you can't do that. You have to have uh, the v- crime cannot pay. The villain has to have their comeuppance. So at the end of the movie, inexplicably and unlike the play, the mother recovers from a self-inflicted gunshot wound and they have the little girl go out to the lake and try to fish out the prize uh, that the other boy that she had murdered won that she thought she deserved. Uh, with a metal pole in a lightning storm. So the movie ends with this little girl getting electrocuted by lightning at a lake. So they added the curtain call at the end so that the audience wouldn't leave the theater absolutely horrified. It is such a delightfully weird movie. <sighs> All right. What were, I just wanted to throw that in there. Okay. Fine. What's next? I'm going to go with the oldest film on my list, mm-hmm. which is... Uh, I believe it's 1941s uh, or no, no, this is post-war. Uh, it's a wonderful life is what I'm going with <laughs> because there are a lot of big performances. Look, they're very good performances. Yeah. There are a lot of real big performances. <laughs> Jimmy Stewart's going 110%. Lionel oh, yeah. Barrymore's going 130%. Oh, Lionel Barrymore could get the most points for this movie already. The guy who plays the pharmacist. Yeah. I mean, come Mr. on. Mr. Gower. Mr. Gower is. Going 175 oh, yeah. percent. It is, it is rife. Uh, his his uncle, like they're all just huge, very big performances, yeah. which again is more reflective of the time in which it was made. But there were there was more subtle work being done there as well, and there are mm-hmm. subtle moments in Jimmy Stewart's performance. I'm not trashing it. It is one of my favorite movies. Yeah, but it is super. It is super actory. So like, it's a type super of it's that version of acting where people like shake each other by the lapel. Yes, it's like, now listen to me, I don't want this, and I don't want that, and I want to go over here. Like, that kind of stuff is going on. Oh, that scene is so good, though. The phone scene. We've talked about this movie so much on this show. Uh, We both love it. Yeah. It is a very large, very acted movie. And Clarence, too. That's a very big performance. Those feel like theater-sized performances. They do. Though, I don't know, for for some reason, that movie, it fits. It's not like, it doesn't feel too big. You know they're what I mean? Just they're all, when I thought of this, I just thought, what movie features a lot of people having big meals? And yeah. that is that is one for sure. It's also interesting because I know we've discussed this before. This is the mm-hmm. transition from Jimmy Stewart to like the pre-war sort of Casanova, a little bit more 
happy-go-lucky to the guy who served in World War II. It's awesome stuff. And this is a much more tortured performance. There is a dividing line between his pre-war work and his post-war work. And this is emblematic of that but also he's like that oh he sounds like that drunk lady on the couch in the bed that was just a one syllable uh vowel version of jimmy stewart oh yeah i feel like a, a good qualification for a movie like this is if you imagine any of the characters sleeping like the Three Stooges, <laughs> where they do that <laughs> with the feather going up yeah. and down, that that is a good. So, do we, do you think this qualifies, or is this? I mean, it's not the same. It's certainly not the same movie as The Bad Seed, right? I don't know because it feels like I will make a point, and then you can tell me if you think that this may, gives it finalist status or not. It feels like The Bad Seed is trying to put sixteen ounces of mayonnaise in an eight ounce mayonnaise jar. I feel like it's a wonderful life is trying to put 32 ounces of mayonnaise in a 32 ounce mayonnaise jar. Uh, I, I would say 32 ounces in a 24 ounce jar, but they're using a t-shirt cannon to throw it in. There. <laughs> How about that? Yeah, it's a finalist. Uh, well, also here, here's, here's a knock against it. Okay. Is Donna Reed is doing a much more she's, grounded performance. And she's she is, so good. So yeah. I, let's, all right, I'm going to take her. I, I'm going to, I'm going to say no to It's a Wonderful Life. I'm deleting okay. it off the list. Mark, what do you have next? Uh, my next movie is just for as a weird sort of, I know this one is not going to be a finalist, but it is bonkers. And that is Tusk, Kevin Smith's movie where they turn Justin Long into a walrus. It has a lot of vibes of, the most dangerous game, I guess, going way back or like human centipede. Any of these, a person drives out to the woods uh, where no one can hear them get turned into a human walrus. And it's just Justin Long and this villain. I don't even remember the actor's name. I should look that up. That's the no. one movie that I did not. We'll never know. We'll never know it. It's uh, it's no, his name is Michael Parks. Okay. Michael Parks. So it is Justin Long plays a journalist who comes up to see this recluse named Michael Parks or named Michael Parks, played by Michael Parks up in his house. Uh, also in the film, Haley Joel Osment as in a sidekick role. But the, the real kicker in this is Justin Long just cranking it up to 15 gobbling up all the scenery in this house in the woods and then michael parks uh turns him into a walrus it is not going to be a finalist because i don't think there are enough actors in this to chew the scenery there's not an ensemble chewing scenery and it also nobody knows this movie have you seen this movie no yeah nobody did it's just bonkers and weird i just wanted to throw it out there as a overly acted movie to talk about all right i got a fun one Okay. Uh, next, I'm I'm kind of tossing these around, figuring out all right, what what is the order to put these. Here's here's one. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just changed it in my head. I was gonna say one. Now I'm saying no. Uh, this is from 1982, mm-hmm. and it has maybe one of the most over the top performances of all time, which is uh, Ricardo Montalban as Khan in Star Trek II: Wrath of Khan. Not only do you have Shatner mm-hmm. being Shatner, yeah, you have uh. You have the the earworms, the worms that go in the ears, where they mm-hmm. all have to go create the one guy phasers himself, and then Chekhov has he gets to deal with it going in and coming out. Any chance that uh, uh, the whole regular cast of a thing that everybody knows and loves 
has a moment of crazy. That's a good scenery chewing uh, time for actors. Yeah. I just think overall, there's a lot, there's a lot go- like Shatner and, and Ricardo Montalban alone. Mm-hmm. Just that. <laughs> just I, acting at each other. Just they're acting at each other. Yeah. They're acting at each other. And it's got <laughs> Shatner screaming con and of course. just delightfully over the top. Now, would something like this qualify? Because it does have Leonard Nimoy as Spock, which is mm-hmm. always a more understated performance. Does that are ground we, it too much? Are we going to let these grounding performances, does that dilute this or does it point out the contrast? Or Maybe is he so. just not, is he just not pulling? Like, is it an assist or is it, you know, a penalty? I feel like from what we know of their relationship with one another, it certainly wasn't an assist <laughs> at that time. Do you, what do you think though? Do you think something like this? Uh, when I say that, do you go, Oh, of course. Or do you I, say, eh. for me, it was, it was the yelling of the con was the thing for me that was the big scenery chewing moment of insanity in this movie. I didn't think of the rest of the movie as being that big until you mentioned Ricardo Montalban. Yeah. But is but he plays like calm big. Like, isn't he letting the leather of that outfit do the work for him half the time? Sort of all over the place. It's a little <laughs> bit of some, a little bit of another. Maybe it doesn't count, but it is one. You know, I, I think a lot of what we're doing is sort of taking a stroll through this garden yeah. of ostentatiousness. Yeah, I don't know if we that. necessarily need to make this decision each individual time. Some, if there's some that we want to like give the golden buzzer to, or the, okay. uh, you know what I all mean. Right. Fair enough. If you have a you have a golden, I've already used my golden buzzer. My golden buzzer went to the bad seat. Fair enough. I, yeah, I don't. I can't give a golden buzzer. Yeah. To Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan. And the rest of mine on my list, I think, are very, very acted. But okay. uh, but I'm, I've already used my golden buzzer. I have a I have an issue with two. Well, definitely one on your list, maybe two. But go ahead. Okay, we can do that one next. I know which one you're talking about. If it's what you mentioned before, uh, and that is Wet Hot American Summer. Yes. Now I would argue uh-huh. that this movie is, it is a, it is stylized. So they yes. are, they are, uh, poking fun and having fun with those acting styles. Yeah. There, I, I think you're right. Yeah. There are too many really good actors in that movie from Amy Poehler to Paul Rudd to Bradley Cooper to really say this, that they're making it. They're, they're playing the, they're playing the style and there's some above, some below. They kind sure. of, they play with that a lot. There's a lot of switching it up, but the, I, I, the one person who is definitely, you know who I'm saying right now? Cause he smiled. Yeah. Is Christopher Maloney. Oh, I mean, a hundred percent. Just him in the fridge as Gene is, it's just, okay. Yes. I see what you're saying. This movie seems to, wh- the rest of the movies on these lists. Mm-hmm. seem to be enjoying the meal of the scenery around them. Yeah. They are really making a meal out of all of the acting in these movies. But this is the only one on the list that the reason they are doing it is to poke fun at this type of acting. Whether the other ones realize that it's just a fun movie or they're actually trying to be serious, wittingly or unwittingly overacting. Right. The overacting in Wet Hot American Summer is the point so i guess that kind of disqualifies it yes I but the image that of course the image that made me go what's the most acted movie was yeah christopher maloney and also paul rudd uh like being petulant oh, uh, he, throwing or throwing his tray away yes when he leaves that he, he puts it away 
yeah. he's sulking and moving his arms around doing it's like the so jelly funny. Thing. All right. Yeah. yeah. That's all right. What fun. else you got? All right. I'm going to go with <laughs> the other one. This one I believe is from 1981. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it stars Lawrence Olivier as Zeus and Burgess Meredith <laughs> as a, as a, uh, a Greek theatrical director slash actor, which is uh, Clash of the Titans. I love Clash of the Titans. Nobody's doing anything grounded in that movie. No. Well, I think they think they are. No. I think it's, I think, think that Burgess, they're just, hold on. You think Burgess Meredith? No. I think that like, every, this is going to be a very, um, this is going to be a real grounded performance. I'm going to give you right here. I think that all of the, I think on Mount Olympus, they think that they are, uh, when, when, not when we are in yeah. proper Greece. And, uh, Perseus is going on his adventures, but when we're on Mount Olympus and it's just British people standing around, this, this is one of those movies where chewing the scenery is done in silence and stares. (laughs) And like, it'll just be a long, like Hera will just turn to Zeus. Mm -hmm. Like it's so, it's so posy. This movie is delightfully posy. (laughs) I mean, the, 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 the beard and curly the 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 outfit of Zeus does a lot of the work for him, yeah. but he is filling it out nicely. I mean, even <laughs> Bubo the Owl is overacting. That thing is a machine. Not overacting, but you know, having yeah. a meal. Oh yeah. Oh so I, man. That's one I think is. I, there's just something about it where you just go, oh, they're really throwing themselves into what what they want this to be. And yeah. I don't know that it 100% fits the movie I'm trying to watch this like latter era mm-hmm. Ray Harryhausen uh, kind of movie. It doesn't quite fit. Yeah. It's like normally a Ray Harryhausen movie is like, say, this is a swashbuckling adventure. Come on, everybody. But this is like, now we shall move these pawns in mm-hmm. our world. Yeah. Like, geez, guys, I got to watch this movie on one and a half X. Yeah, exactly. That idea that that does secure that idea that it's not always the yeah. It sometimes it's done in silences and pauses so pregnant they're gonna have septuplets when they're done. <laughs> yeah, it's the Harold Pinter version of it. It's just mm-hmm. all like guys. It's Greek mythology. These stories are not like you, you're doing Greek mythology with Ray Harryhausen. We don't need that much subtext. Well, I feel like it, like the making the film, they're like, this is Shakespearean in yeah. scope. Get Olivier. Yeah. Maybe. It's How not. much does it pay? Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the British actor, right? They're like, oh, yeah. Oh, it's what, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Every British actor up there is like this on Mount Olympus. Then they come off a, st- off a set and it's like, right. <laughs> Dame Maggie Smith. <laughs> right. It's I. Dame Maggie Smith. Who's Dame Maggie Smith at the screw a punch in the face to get a coffee round here? <laughs> All right. Are we shooting again? <laughs> Harry Potter. <laughs> uh, all right. I'm going to throw out vastly different one. Modern era written by uh, Quentin Tarantino. Mm. Directed. I forgot who directed this. This is one of those ones where Ridley it, Scott, Ridley no, Scott, Tony Scott, Tony, Tony Scott, Scott. Tony Scott. Sorry. It's just an entire cast of scenery chewers, <laughs> but it's a great mix of like scenery chewers that pop in for like one scene. Brad Pitt's chewing scenery in it. Gary Oldman, who, by the way, Gary Oldman and Nicolas Cage 
could vie for which one gets scenery chewing named after them uh, posthumously. Uh, but this one has Gary Oldman as a dreadlocked, like drug dealer, one eyed dreadlocked drug dealer. Yeah. Uh, it's got an amazing, that amazing scene with Dennis Hopper and Christopher Walken acting at each other. Yeah. I guess I do like the scenes of great actors playing nemeses and just seeing who can eat more of the set. I don't think this is, oh, we're not doing that. I, I don't think this is a finalist, but I think it's very fun. I don't think it is either, but I, it, it is. I mean, you also have Val Kilmer as Elvis. Yeah, exactly. Don't forget that. Don't forget that little one. Uh, <sighs> yeah, I don't think that's in there. You know, that made me think of something else. What? As long as we're talking about Val We're going to add so many movies to this list, aren't we? It's not on my list. I just want to throw out there that Tombstone has a lot of people making meals. Powers Booth is another guy who likes to eat. Oh, yeah. That guy loves eating and he, he's, <laughs> he's snacking away. I, I, what, you know, my favorite Kurt Russell's having a nice meal, as is Sam Elliott, as is Bill Paxton. As is definitely Val Kilmer twirling his cup around. Billy Zane is a traveling actor <laughs> who, who's all, like never not the person he is on stage. And that style of 19th century, the theater would do this and do I do that? And then he comes out and he's like, these cowboys are a problem. They're killing everybody. Like he just doesn't. Doesn't stop, and I like Billy Zane. It's not a knock on him. It's sure. Just... Look, Billy Zane, friend of the show, listener, a huge fan. Yeah, big fan. Huge fan. Seen it all. <laughs> Refuses to come on the show because he wants it to be about us. Yeah. But uh, all right, the next very one, nice of him. <laughs> next one on my list uh-huh. is a Best Picture winner. Ooh. And I think maybe got a Best Actor statuette. Lord knows, I, I, I saw this in the movie and I did not, I, I saw, I did not care for it in the theaters because I knew within the first 30 seconds how it ended, which is Ridley Scott's. We went from one Scott brother to the other, Gladiator. Yeah. Gladiator's pretty over the top. The grounded performance in this one is Oliver Reed. Yeah. He's great as the, as the trainer. Do you think I, this one feels like, cause it doesn't feel like, uh, like Russell Crowe is overacting in this. I think he's great in this. Uh, he is a lot of steely, steely looks. I think the one that is the real scenery chewer in this, mm-hmm. who chews the scenery in every movie he does. Yeah. Delightfully is Joaquin Phoenix. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, I just wanted to mention it. I think it's a pretty, it feels like yeah. any of those period movies is like an opportunity to, Sort of swords like, and sandals, I, man. Swords and on. sandals. Yeah, exactly. I've got any swords, swords and, and sandals, sandals epic. <laughs> That's my Dungeons and Dragons game that I'm putting out called Swords and Sandals, where you just act a lot. I want to throw out another older one. This Go is ahead. another older movie. This is 1973's Theater of Blood. We want to talk acting. <laughs> this is <laughs> this one. Uh, for those who don't know this movie, this is Vincent Price, and he is playing an actor who is a he's a Shakespearean actor who finally snaps after getting uh, a bad review one time too many uh, and goes around murdering all of the theater critics in the style of the Shakespeare play that he was panned for, such as when he feeds uh, a reviewer their dogs uh, after a bad review of Titus Andronicus. It, this feels a little bit like Wet Hot American Summer, though. This feels like a in, in the same way that... Like it knows Wet Hot American Summer knows it's over the top. This one is Vincent Price knowing that he is over the top. And this is just pure Vincent Price indulgence. 
He wanted to do these Shakespeare soliloquies and no one would cast him in Shakespeare movies. So he decided to make a movie where he was a Shakespearean serial killer. Just delightfully bonkers. Yeah. Like you can't, this is, you could say that the most actor in terms of like putting in maybe the, the, not the wrong effort, but maybe an effort that kind of overshadows everything else. Yeah. You could say that about a lot of Ed Wood stuff. And that's not because. They're making a choice. It's because they are saying lines that were put on a piece of paper to the yeah. best of their ability. <laughs> and it's not necessarily that Vincent Price was doing that, but maybe not far off. Like he, that was, he delighted in what he yeah. did. It was also a world-class chef. Yeah. There you go. Those dogs that. were delicious. I'm sure it's, it was probably a great dog pie. I would never eat it. I think he's cool just terrible, but. I, I think that Ken, our producer, pointed this out before when we started, when we mentioned doing this episode. He said, well, you, ha- you have to have some Vincent Price in there. And I thought he's absolutely right. And there is no more theatrical Vincent Price movie than Theater of Blood. But as we said before, also, one person cannot carry the weight of what is going to ultimately be deemed the most acted movie or most actor or most acting movie of all time. Yeah. Here's one. Okay. This is, that is an example of one where I think everybody's having a big meal, mm-hmm. but I think that they're all very good performances. Okay. This is not to denigrate the performances, which is 1998's Shakespeare in Love or 1997. This, I'm curious. Was. I'm curious how that, why this one made your list. I mean, Joseph Fiennes in that movie, he's I going big. Seen it. They're all going real big. They're all going real, real, real big. I guess I don't think of Gwyneth Paltrow as ever going real big. She always seems like a deer in headlights to me. No, she's, she's not huge, but there, there, there is a, a relish to the performances. Yeah. That makes me feel like this is a very active movie. Like I could really sink my teeth into this, mm-hmm. which in turn creates a very actor movie. Yeah. Which all Jeffrey Rush being in this movie is, I think, doing exactly what you're talking about. Oh, he's yeah, he's going for it. Yeah, he's going for it. So like, is God bless him, American actor Ben Affleck. Sure, he is. Yeah, well, I mean, the fact that he comes, what is the play and what is my part? Like he's already in this. <laughs> he's, so he's already he's already going for it. I mean, this yeah. is like to the level of, you know, if you look at Stanley Tucci as as Doctor Erskine in Captain America: The First Avenger, mm-hmm. he's he's. Oh, he's, he's, that's like a big actor role. Yeah. He's doing something. I'm conscious with this German accent. I'm going to have exactly. crazy hair and I'm going to look at you funny. That's the part. Now it's, is it a grounded performance? Sure it is. It's Stanley Tucci. Everything he does is gold. Is he having a big meal? Of course he is. He took the part because he wanted to do the accent. Yeah. yeah. So, it's funny. The idea of like doing a grounded, having a grounded meal is interesting to me. Yeah. I mean, it, Shakespeare is, we perceive it. Mm-hmm. As presentational. And right. there are a number of performances of it that are presentational. When you see it done in a non-presentational way, mm-hmm. it blows your mind because you're able to connect with the material in a way you never have before. Right. This has the freedom of playing in the Shakespeare world mm-hmm. without the language that we don't quite understand. And Tom Stoppard, uh, his co- uh, he was a co-writer on the script. He's the so the name that I remember. The script yeah. is so cleverly written. Mm-hmm. That I got to watch that movie again. It's it's yeah, always worth a rewatch. But I that is one I would put up there yeah. where the, the vast majority of the cast is going is for really, it. really going for it. You know, what's funny. You know who I don't think 
has to go for it to go for it, who just effortlessly goes for it. And so, because she's not, she's not playing anything big. She's not overacting. She's just who she is. And she sucks every eyeball in any room directly to her. And Martha that's Plimpton. Martha Plimpton's amazing. She uh, but that's not who I'm talking about. Okay. Dame Judy Dench showing up oh. at the end as Queen Elizabeth. Yes. I mean, that woman just exudes gravitas regardless of what she's doing. Like literally she's just walking around in a big dress plainly saying and delivering with absolute truthfulness these lines. Yeah. And you can't take your eyes off it. Yeah. She's definitely uh, having the time of her life. In but she's, she's a great example of what you were saying, which is making a meal, but a grounded meal. All the stuff. I mean, when she says something, people laugh and you get her sideways glance one way or the other. Mm-hmm. She's, she fills everything with character. There's a reason why she won an Oscar for eight minutes of screen time. Yeah. But she, they're also, you could say, like, she's making a meal out of that. So it doesn't, I, I feel like people, uh, this was suggested, by the way, by, I think it's Jan Eric Saarinen. Thank you, Jan. This is uh, a delightful topic. And I think it's easy to go, like, the, the most overacted movie. Yeah. And that's not necessarily the wh- most how acted. we're attacking this. This is <laughs> yeah. the most acted movie. The most actor, like, I come in, I'm going to play a part. So you get the bombastic performances, mm-hmm. but you also get the people who are like, oh, they are. They are chewing that bone to the marrow. Now, some of these movies are overacted. Oh, okay. That have a lot of acting in them. And I will throw out one that I think is wonderfully overacted. Mm-hmm. That has the most acting in it. And not to its credit. This is probably more to its detriment. And that is Joel Schumacher's Batman Forever. <laughs> and it's not Val Kilmer. It's not Batman himself. No. That is Tommy the culprit. Jones. It is Tommy Lee Jones. Of course. <laughs> and it's Jim Carrey. You know. It is. Go ahead. As I say, it's such an interesting story happening there, right? Because mm-hmm. they bring in Jim Carrey, who's going to be Jim Carrey. Mm-hmm. And then you have Tommy Lee Jones, who's just trying to top him because he doesn't want to be outdone. Yeah. And does not like working with Jim Carrey. So you get a, 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 what feels like a watered down version of Jack Nicholson's Joker. Yeah. Instead of taking a character who's way more interesting in Two Face. I think he's yeah. a, a fascinating villain. Sure. Aaron Eckhart crushed Two Face. Pr- proved it. That also is, is in the way it's written. Sure. That's the Joel Schumacher versus Christopher Nolan version of Two Face. Sure. But, uh, yeah, it's so big and just doesn't. That's all the zoot yeah. suits of the nineties are happening. The mid nineties <laughs> zoot suits, 1995. And it, we got to give a shout out to Robin in this one too. Cause he's over the top petulant in it. Sure. Oh yeah. yeah. Chris O'Donnell. Is, Chris O'Donnell is Dick Grayson. Yeah. Chris O'Donnell is Dick Grayson just pouting his way through this movie is great. Uh, Val Kilmer doesn't seem like he wants to be there. No, I, th- I don't think he did. Didn't, wasn't that a thing that came out after this movie? Val just came out. I haven't watched it yet, but I'm very excited to. Yeah. I, I love Val Kilmer. He was super, super stressed about the bat suit. I'm sure he was. So I think for that reason, mm-hmm. like they have to look like they want to be there, right? Yeah. So I think we should eliminate that. Yeah, I don't think it's I don't think it's uh going to be a finalist. Okay. Uh, my next one. So I have Shakespeare. Lo- this. <laughs> Let's go with an adaptation of Shakespeare that I think is uh, everybody's in overdrive, and maybe some of them are playing at it more than mm-hmm. they should. And this is going to be a controversial take. Mm-hmm. Think of it what you will. Baz Luhrmann's Romeo plus Juliet. Yeah. I'm look, I think there are two performances in this movie 
that are, I mean, first of all, the most scenery chewing is done by Baz Luhrmann himself. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Maybe, so maybe that hurts it as the whole movie, feel, you know, it yeah. has that Baz Luhrmann. Everybody's just playing in the world that he's created rather yeah. than going like this. Cause John Leguizamo. That was one of the two I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. Him and Harold Perrineau. Right. Are both great actors who are, and who are both great in this playing huge. It's such big, big fence swings. Yeah. Maybe we need to remove this one just because it's really about the big swings the movie's taking. It will. And it also has the same thing that, um, that it's a wonderful life has, which is the super grounded performance from Claire Danes. Yeah, but everybody else is it. I, I think everybody meal like, wise, I don't think <laughs> she Leo's, didn't. She didn't make a meal of it because there wasn't any food left. I don't think Leo's having a meal. I like for me, Leonardo DiCaprio. I, no? I started to become a fan of his work at uh, when I saw him in Catch Me If You Can because mm-hmm. everything I'd seen him do prior to that felt like he was playing extremes. He was either underplaying it or mm-hmm. way overplay. Like what's eating Gilbert grape is a great performance that he, that character lives in a certain space mm-hmm. that is not like them. You don't really see the middle. He's not playing middles as much, or those right. middles are different than what he'd be playing. If you were playing uh, a different character, I don't think it was understated. Catch me if you can, but I think he was playing a real person. And I saw, I don't know. I just, I guess I kind of saw his process more. Yeah. And I, and that was something I connected with. I think he's a great actor. He is. I think he's great in this. I do think he's swinging for the fences, though, with his giant scream of, oh, I am fortune's fool. Yeah. And but but it's I mean, it's Romeo and Juliet. It is it is two teenagers being tragically dramatic. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's I, I yeah, I don't I want to take it out. I want to remove. OK. It. Uh, but shout out to Paul Sorvino, who also grabbed himself a, one of the turkey legs off of that table. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of turkey legs. There's a lot of legs. A lot of turkey, turkey. It's, yeah, it's like it's like uh, Madden's uh, John Madden's turkey on Thanksgiving. <laughs> Boom. All right. Uh, oh, I have two more. All right. Uh, I have okay. two more on my list. I'm going to go with Con Air. <laughs> 90s touchstone Bruckheimer. This is another oh. one that I don't think is necessarily the winner. That but accent. it's just. It's just Nicholas. You have to have a Nicholas Cage in here, first of all. Sure. I know you've got one too. Uh, this is my Nicholas Cage. Yeah. Uh, let the bunny go. Done in that long haired southern drawl, southernish drawl of his in that movie. Uh, then John Malkovich as Cyrus the virus mm-hmm. doing baby voice, reading the letter that he snatches from Nicholas Cage from his daughter. Uh, you've got quiet insanity from steve buscemi yeah you've got uh ving rames is amazing in it it is it's just this one this one to me feels like uh a bunch of actors where all of these are are uh meals of uh scenery that everyone Mm -hmm. is eating this feels like only the villains get to eat this time but let's just do every villain you know like people like to make a villain super juicy yeah. This is a very juicy airplane full of very juicy villains. Yeah, it's it's humid in there. Yeah, that's for sure. This is why that's why I threw this one out there again. It's not everyone in the thing is going over the top. Like Cusack's pretty grounded on the ground, being a you know doing yeah. his movie cop thing. He's doing his Cusack. Yeah, he's doing his Cusack. But it's just an a, an airplane full of villains has to be a very acted movie, and yeah. it succeeds at that. Here's one. This one, uh, okay. let's do another Nick Cage performance. Mm-hmm. This is the, this is 
probably the most Nick Cage that early Nick Cage was. Now, I know Peggy Sue got married. He's still the whole thing where he sounds like this. <laughs> and that is a bizarre, you know, look, Nicolas Cage makes bizarre choices that yes, sometimes don't fit with everything else. This movie, he, I, I just, it's Moonstruck. It's Moonstruck. Okay? Yeah, it is. The whole thing is a play. It's basically a play. It is an adaptation of a play. That is it's John film. Patrick Shanley, yeah? It's a John Patrick Shanley, and the very end feels like a play with everybody coming in and out. That one feels to me, anytime you take a play and adapt it mm-hmm. for screen, you can really immerse in it, or you can shoot it and make it feel like you're watching a play happen. This is somewhere in between those for me. Yeah. I thought that Fences felt a lot more like I was watching a play, like I was removed from what was happening, but enjoying really great performances. But th- this, just by virtue, I think of it being like, when That's Amore is like your signature song, there are going to be some big performances in that movie. <laughs> right? Cher won an Oscar for it. She did win an Oscar. She's very good in it, but it's yeah. something, there is something big about it. And maybe her performance, she's, uh, she, I think she's having a meal. She's having a meal in it. She's definitely having way more of a meal in that than she is in burlesque, where she just kind of walks around and serenely <laughs> smiles and then goes and does one big, huge, amazing song and then walks around serenely smiling for the rest of the movie. But like, it's interesting. So what the meal is, because sometimes Jennifer and I just watched The Mirror Has Two Faces. Have mm-hmm. you seen this movie? The to- Where Tommy Lee Jones? No, <laughs> that's yeah. Two Face Looks in the Mirror. Gotcha. The mirror oh, right, right, right. Faces is, is the last Barbara Streisand directed film. Gotcha. It's her and Jeff Bridges. He's a neurotic math professor who who feels that sex derails his life. So he wants all the, the comforts of a relationship without any sex. So he picks. He has women apply, but unbeknownst to them, he's looking for a woman that's not super attractive. Barbara Streisand is a an English professor at the same university, Columbia, who is unwittingly applied and they get together. And, but he, I, I feel like his performance which is maybe two years before the big Lebowski is so much like they're on different wavelengths. Like she's doing yeah. her kind of cool, like Babs, like oh, I'm going to throw out a New York joke. Cause it's funny, but that's, that's the, the Jewish wit for which we're all known. Sure. And then he's doing like, the thing, what we're talking. So there's even a little bit of the dude in there. Like, you know, but he's doing it in this movie and it feels like, He's snacking a little bit. He's having, he's having a nibble. He's having a midnight snack. Look, it's a good nibble though. Yeah. I think this might be another, much like Moonstruck, there are more snacks being had, but I don't think it's as, it's as actor. Mm-hmm. Do you think there are directors whose movies tend to be very acted? Baz Luhrmann. <laughs> Baz Luhrmann, I think, I think, but I think like you mentioned like a movie being stylized before. Mm-hmm. I think Baz Luhrmann does it. Yeah. I think Michael that, Bay. I think Michael Bay lets the the big explodey things. I'm thinking more like Wes Anderson. Like everybody's playing wacky characters in Wes Anderson movies and Coen Brothers movies. Like, but these all really fit. You know what I mean? They're not yeah. outside. The acting isn't outsized in them for the style that the movie is. Yeah. And how much of that becomes an actor making a meal out of a thing or a director serving a meal? You know what I mean? Right. I think that, that Wes Anderson creates conditions. Yeah. He builds these weird fairy tale worlds and then the actors have to figure out what to do in them. Yeah. Together with him. Right. I don't think they're left without guidance, but like Adrian Brody, whatever you put him in, I think he's going to make a sort of a weird choice and stick to it. Yeah. So he's a guy who's there. There are actors who are always looking to have a snack and sometimes it works really well. Sometimes it doesn't, yeah. but 
you know, you have to respect taking the swing. That was just a sidebar. Sure. Should we throw to a commercial and then talk about uh, the last few that we got? Let's take a break. We'll go through the last few and then we will decide once and for all what is the most actor slash acting slash acted movie of all time. If quality and craftsmanship is important to you, you should check out Made In. Made In is a cookware and kitchenware brand that works with renowned chefs and artisans to produce some of the world's best pots, pans, knives, and wine glasses. I cannot tell you enough for the amount of cooking I've done, especially in the past year and a half, what a difference quality makes. And the nonstick pan that I have from Made In works perfectly, cleans well, and is actually nonstick, which you know a lot of the nonstick pans you buy are not. But these are fantastic. Made In sources the finest materials and partners with renowned craftsmen to make premium kitchen tools available directly to you without the markup. Their cookware distributes heat evenly and can easily go from the stovetop to the oven. And their knives are fully forged, perfectly balanced, and stay sharp. They have 32,000 plus five-star reviews, and their products are used by some of the world's best chefs at Michelin-starred restaurants around the world. Right now, Made In is offering our listeners 15% off your first order with promo code WEGOTTHIS. This is the best discount available anywhere online for Made In products. So go to madeincookware.com slash WEGOTTHIS and use the promo code we got this for 15% off your first order. That's madeincookware.com slash we got this. Use promo code we got this 15% off. You will not regret it. Thank you, Made In, for sponsoring We Got This. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. It doesn't matter who you are or what you have. Life can be stressful. Relationships, jobs, money, just all of it can really weigh down on you. So unload it and get it out. Talk to someone who's completely unbiased about your life. Someone who isn't going to judge you or take sides on anything. You'll be surprised at how much it can help. I know for me, being able to talk to a therapist who is a third party not involved in my life and being able to be open with them and feel safe is a huge deal. And sometimes just talking about things just makes you feel a lot better. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. And it's more affordable than in-person therapy. See if it's for you. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and We Got This listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash We Got This. Have your first session in under 48 hours at B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L lp.com slash we got this and we're back i was trying to make a meal out of the and we're back nom 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 uh, i actually have two more not one okay. more one of the two i'm saving one for the end because i think it's a another contender possibly uh one of these movies and this is a movie we've talked about a lot on the show mm-hmm. in a lot of different episodes, some episodes specifically about this movie and its counterparts. Uh, and that is Star Wars Episode Three. That movie, Emperor Palpatine, is one of the craziest overactors in cinema history. I don't, I'm not talking about the actor that played on that character is one of the most acted characters in movie history. So it's got him. Yes. It's got. James Earl Jones's no at the end. It's got Hayden Christian. I'm realizing now it's mostly just a collection of people yelling no. Sure. No. (laughs) People, it's it's just like all the best acted moments in this are the periodic screamed lines. Yes. You've got unlimited power. Yeah. No. But Anakin Palpatine is evil. 
I hate you. All of these are explosively delivered lines. And maybe it's not a huge contender just because these it's these lines that are there are moments where uh, the meal is just gobbled up in one big bite as opposed to dispersed throughout the film. I think that any performance issues. Mm-hmm. Oh, here we go. <laughs> that spring out of the prequels are due to the fact that they have a director whose two chief directions to actors are louder and faster. Yeah. So you are working, doing your best to really figure it out. And I, I'm sure there's a rehearsal process, but there's also, you know, you're working with a director whose primary contribution to film is his imagination, mm-hmm. which is super impressive and his desire to push the technological boundaries of filmmaking. Yeah. But as a screenwriter of dialogue and as a director of actors, those are not his strongest suits. So it's hard for me to, to say you had every advantage and this is the way you went, which is really what this movie is. I know we talked about sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not, but Mm -hmm. I think that in this case, it's we're talking about a lot of there are a lot of performances that don't quite fit the, the pieces of the puzzle don't fit together. Yeah. I would say that is a director issue. That's fair. All right, you're up. All right, this is my this is my last one. Yeah, yeah. You've got two more on your list. I know, but I don't want I I I really only picked Oliver for Fagan, <laughs> which is such a good performance. <laughs> and Bill Sykes, come on, Bill, Bill Sykes, Sykes well, is great. again. Oliver Reed, Fagan's so thing. wonderfully over but the top. Yeah, Fagan is like hello, yeah. boy. <laughs> one thing counts in the bank: large amounts. All right. Uh, what's your last one? Uh, my last one. This was the young Hollywood movie. The number of young Hollywood stars in this film is crazy. Mm-hmm. Even crazier is that all of the guys in this movie were all auditioning for the lead in a little movie called Scent of a Woman. That really? Role, yes, that role eventually going to the roommate of the main character, played by Charlie O'Donnell. The main character, played by Brendan Fraser. Chris O'Donnell. Uh, Chris O'Donnell. Who did I say? Charlie O'Donnell, his brother, who did not get the part in Santa. Charlie Bond. O'Donnell, not cast in that movie, but Chris O'Donnell was Brendan Fraser playing a lovely Jewish boy who goes to a boarding school and has to hide his religion. Yeah. Of course, I'm talking about school ties. Cowards! <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, this movie had a climactic scene in the shower. Yeah. Like a giant fight shot from the waist up that if you stop to think for a second, it's like these guys are all just like re- they didn't want to like turn the water off, towel off and then have this giant throwdown fight. Yeah, it felt like a lot of guys who weren't in Dead Poet Society, but yeah. that also weren't like they're like, oh, this is our Dead Poet Society. Yeah. So we're all going to have a thing that we're doing. I'm Mac. I wear sunglasses. I'm not good at French. And uh, the, uh Anthony Rapp, his glasses are acting. Yeah. Also on his oh. face. I mean, it's, it is a great cast. Mm-hmm. It's got a lot of talent. You got Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Yeah. Early, early Matt Damon in that one. Early Matt Damon as a, as a, a, a as most of the kids are anti-Semites. Yeah. Tons of anti-Semites. Uh, yeah. Matt Damon playing the villain basically in this. Yeah. You know, he doesn't do that a lot. Yeah. The French teacher too, even he's having mm-hmm. a meal. He's like, he's like kind of like, I don't know. There's just an energy to all of it where it feels like it works. 
I love yeah. the movie, but it's yeah, it's just like a but it's just all testosterone actors yeah. at their like youthful peaks, and they're no. all just yeah. Uh, yeah, everybody's got a juicy role. Yeah, I they're all, the it's fun. It's it. they're all having a good. I mean, I say it's weird to talk about a movie that features swastikas and anti-Semitism uh, being a fun movie. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? It's a real, it's a real, it's a riot. What a joy ride! Yeah, I do think Brendan Fraser is pre- outside of the yelling cowards. Mm-hmm. He mostly gives a pretty, pretty level performance, yeah. which he's maybe, pretty grounded. Maybe knocks it out, but it just feels to me. This feels like one of those movies that's very actor. Yeah. It's very acted. Yeah. Actoring. All right. I have my last one Actory. of movies that I think are very acted. Okay. It's not one of these big guns that won Oscars, but 1991's The Addams Family is a delightful movie. And I think every actor in that movie is pitch perfect and driving a thousand miles an hour. Not speed-wise, I mean just grandiosity-wise. So maybe that was the wrong analogy. I think Raul Julia and Angelica Houston are playing off each other perfectly. I think this feels like an ensemble movie more so than some of these, in that they all seem to just be having fun with each other. Even Dan Hedaya, as the non-Adams family person in this, the non-monster, is making a meal out of this movie. You've got Christopher Lloyd as Uncle Fester. You've got whoever the kid was that played Pugsley. It's a it's a really fun, crazy, over-the-top movie. What do you think? That's right. I forgot that there's a fake mother. It's Fester's, uh, Fester's fake mother is the... Is the villain of the movie. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I love every performance in the movie. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really, really good movie. It's a Barry Sonnenfeld. It's a Barry Sonnenfeld yeah. joint. I think Raul Julia finds a new direction for Gomez while still honoring what John Aston did. Mm-hmm. And I think Angelica Houston is doing her. She's doing like this Morticia. Morticia's yeah. Morticia. And they are all sex. The two of them are just all sex. These if you've are... ever read, by the way, if you've ever read that clip, have you seen that uh, online? The description of Gomez and Morticia Adams in the script? No. Is that uh, these two, I will not use the words that the script uses, but these two, if they are not on screen, they are having sex. Or they are talking about having sex, or they are about to, or have just finished having sex. At all times. Makes sense. Yeah. And you that watch time. that movie again, and it's just sexual energy between the two of them. Yeah. While overacting. It's, it's delightful. Wonderful. They're playing characters that already exist. So they, yeah. have, they are filling shoes uh, rather than they do take it in their own direction. That is not a knock on what they do at all, but yeah. I would disqualify it because you have to have a meal to play. You know, if I came in to play Uncle Fester and I played yeah. him anything other than a hundred miles an hour, then I'm not really doing a service to the character. Yeah, that's true. This one is the biggest meal of leftovers. Yeah, I think we each have a finalist, but we do have, from our producer, Ken Plume, a late entry, producer's prerogative, who has submitted The Producers, the 1967 Mel Brooks Oscar-winning film with Zero Mostel and Gene Wilder and Kenneth Mars. Uh, Several great, over-the-top, huge, chewing-up-the-scenery performances. To the point that the musical of the early 2000s, while it's very good, They can't get to the same level that Zero Mostel and Gene. Certainly, Matthew Broderick can't hit what Gene Wilder hit. They're different actors. Yeah. But, my God. It's pretty great. 
this also does this have the same Baz Luhrmann thing as this is a Mel Brooks movie. And if you are in a Mel Brooks movie, you better be eating all of the scenery. Yes and no. Yes and no. I don't think it's the winner, but I think it's a very good submission. I think it's a great. I mean, it's and Zero Mostel specifically is that guy is larger than life in every way. Yeah. So it's a it's sort of an extension of the types that he could play. And did play on Broadway for many years. Yeah, it's Pseudolus. It's his Tevya. His Tevya is the, you know, the dramatic version of this big comic bombast. Yeah. Yeah. He's great. So, it's great. I've used my golden, but you never used your golden buzzer or your golden. Uh, oh, mine is for Clash of the Titans. Clash. <laughs> All right. So our two finalists, who knew that our two finalists would not be anything from the 80s or beyond or 90s or beyond yeah. where acting got subtler. <laughs> and it's uh it is 1956's the bad seed and i keep saying the the year because i don't want people to confuse it with the remake that was directed by rob lowe uh in 2017 yeah versus clash of the titans look you've heard my pitch for the bad seed what do you got for clash of the titans people of the world <laughs> I just thought I was going to ask us about that movie. I'll tell you right now. If it was an early movie, say, oh, we don't know. It was an early movie. Then we got to say it's the bad scene. Ask it out, This topic is closed. It's the bad scene, but there are many more topics. First of all, thank you to Jan Eric Saarinen for the topic. There are many more topics to discuss, so please reach out to us on Twitter at We Got This Tweets or email us at We Got This Podcast at gmail.com or visit our Facebook group and talk about some of your favorite actor acting acted movies that's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash we got this podcast thank you to producer ken plume researcher kate mcmanus graphic designer uri kelman and qa engineer jen alba and thanks of course to our musicians jonathan dinerstein and mike Furman for our score and theme song respectively and thanks to you the people of the world for giving hal and i the opportunity to talk about a thing that we both really love acting specifically Big scenery chewing acting. So in the spirit of that, may I say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For Hal Lublin, I'm Mark Gagliardi. For Mark Gagliardi, I'm Hal Lublin. And don't worry, everybody. We got this. We got this. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.